Yeah, she's back there in the back, too. Hey, she can't. If you have a copy of God's Word, uh, join with me. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, and we're going to just continue working through our text here in Romans. Last week we were in verse 20, and we had two words left in verse 20 that we didn't cover. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and cover those two words and the rest of 20 and the rest of 20, uh, 21 as well. So let me read 20, Romans chapter 8. Romans is found in the New Testament. So the first couple books in the New Testament are the Gospels, right? It tells us like this biography, it tells us the life of Jesus. Then Acts is now Jesus has left, been ascended to the Father. Now the disciples are given the same task Jesus was given, proclaiming the great gospel of the Father until the dying world. And after Paul and many disciples, Peter took the gospel around the world. Now Paul writes letters to the churches to encourage the churches. And so serving those churches is Romans, Philippians, Galatians. All these are letters that was written to write back. Paul has visited many of these places or wanted to go to these places or heard about these places. New Christians were at these places. So Paul wrote letters to them to encourage them on what they might have been facing at the time. Some in Ephesians, they were facing an issue with idolatry. They had a great statue of Artemis, I believe, um, Artemis? Well, Artemis. Artemis. There you go, Artemis. I know something was off with that. And so Paul wrote letters to encourage the Ephesian church, the Philippian church. Paul knew what it means to suffer. Paul was in jail when he wrote this letter. So Paul wrote a letter to the Philippian church in Philippi, right there, not too far from Thessalonica. He writes them a letter to encourage them that regardless of suffering may come your way, that joy will still be with you. You can rejoice in the Lord in the midst of suffering. So Paul is writing letters to real people. These are real people facing real issues. And these real people he intentionally focuses on are believers. These believers are, focused, are, are facing real issues. Paul is writing to them and encouraging them, no matter what you may be facing, remember of the grace that was given to you by Christ. So our test today is, Continuing, continuing, encouraging weak believers of our assurance in Christ. Of our assurance in Christ. Because sometimes we fall short. Sometimes we mess up. And sometimes we look back at things and see that, well, am I truly a believer? Now I keep doing the same thing over and over. Paul is explaining to us, for those that are in Christ, they have truly assurance in Christ. So that's kind of what we've been dealing with. We're going to go further to encourage assurance today. Let me read us our text today. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? Some of y'all are like, what in the world is talking about right now? Let me read that again, the last part of verse 20. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Some of you are like, bondage? So the creation is in jail? Like, Crescent, what are you talking about? How does it relate to us today? I'm glad you're thinking about these things. Let me pray for us and let us see what the Lord is revealing to us in his word. And maybe we can get some clarity and what the Lord is doing here. So let me pray for us. We walk right through it together. 
Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for your grace and your mercy, bringing us back again this Lord's Day to be together in the presence of your presence, but also be together as the body of Christ. Bless our time here this morning. Encourage us um, this morning in your word. Remind us, Lord, of the, the grace you have given to us, that you have given your life for us, Lord. We have eternal life. And that, Lord, you are making us more like yourself. Lord, we are created now to do good works because, Lord, the work you have done unto us, Lord. So we thank you for all your good graces you have given to us, your good things you have given to us. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to help us right now to remind them of, of very more great things you're doing in the life of the believer, but also in your created world. So bless us at this time as we hear your word. Help me preach your word with clarity. Uh, let me preach truth. If it is not of you, um, if it's of my flesh, Lord, remove it from me, Lord, and from my notes. But, Lord, let me preach your word only, what's come from you, not what Christian want to say, but, Lord, what you have me to say through your word. So bless us at this time. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. One thing uh, Alina and I look forward to, uh, this great time of the year, this is homecoming season, right? And so not about the football game, not even about the halftime show. Many people just go to the game for the halftime show. But for me and Alina, we are anticipating about our famous turkey leg. So every year, we don't even go to the game. We go to tailgate. We, don't, we pass through the tailgate. We go straight through. We anticipate, and we are willing to wait in line at the car, at the car, at the car, anticipating on that turkey leg to be in my presence. The state fair is here as well. And that line, right, that line to go on a ride, right, can be long and long. And you're anticipating, like, no, I, 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 I came to the fair, I'm waiting on this. And guess what? I'm going to wait in line. But once you get in front of that line, it's time your time to go. Now, the eager wait is no more. Go enjoy. I was thinking about a baby being born this week. And just 10, week, 10, 10 uh, months of just waiting and waiting for this baby to be here. And you see KJ flying on the highway from Camden to get there to see the arrival of a child. This anticipation to go. The anticipation of seeing that check, right, that first paycheck after that raise. I can keep going on in that many various things in our life brings about this anticipation. Here recently with the toddlers, right? Just waiting, waiting. Probably felt like it was forever. It was like a week away. Like, can this day come? And eventually the day comes. Paul in our test today is very doing a very similar thing. Paul is encouraging us that creation is doing the same thing we're doing. When we're anticipating for great things in our life to come, creation is anticipating for great things to come. Not just great things, creation is anticipating for us to be revealed as sons of God. Children of God, creation can find its fulfillment in seeing the glory through the sons of God. I'm like, Chris, I still don't know what you're talking about. You know, like, we are glory. God's the glorious. We're going to find out here is that, of course, we're not glorious in of ourselves. The glory has to come from above. By being united, being married to Christ, the glory that is given to Christ, we get it as believers in Christ. Everything the groom has, the bride gets. That's a beautiful thing about being in Christ. 
But we get everything that's in Christ. We are made righteous because Christ is righteous. And so our test today is going to encourage us for those in this room that may be struggling with anxiety, depression, and may be struggling with various things in the life of the Christian. Paul is shouting out to us that you're going to be revealed in glory. And creation is lets us know that this will be done. That's why creation can't stand still. The creation is waiting. you like, Christ, the creation is not out there talking. Obviously, yes, it is. It says in Psalm 19, we, we, read, the wrong, we read Psalm 119 earlier, but it's all good. But Psalm 19, it said, the heaven declared the glory of God and the sky above proclaimed his handiwork. Creation is yelling out that things are going to get better. It's going to be a new creation. And I'm not saying better as this world is going to get destroyed. And God's going to bring in a new heaven and a new earth. But this creation knows that the old creation that we see right now, it will be replaced with something that's so much better. So with that being said, let's jump in right in point number one. God is hopeful for creation to be, 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 to be before our glory to come. God is hopeful for the creation to be before our glory to come. Again, it tells us in verse 20, For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who, who subjected it in hope. Again, Paul make it known of the difficult battle of the Christian life. That even for himself, he struggled with the battle of the flesh and the spirit. I mean, Paul, y'all would say he the OG. Like, Paul is the one that was actually commissioned by Jesus. He met Jesus on the Damascus road. This man actually seen Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul was the one that was given this mission to reach out and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He knew God. He knew Jesus. But he tells us in this text right here, Romans chapter 7, he still struggled. He still struggled. Paul is like a brother. Paul is a brother to us. Paul was going to receive the oracles of God. Again, he has written several books of the Bible through the power of the Spirit. We talked about this earlier. Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians. Even the book of Romans. But even though Paul wrote these books, he still confessed to us that the struggle is real. The struggle is real. Well, you, you might say, well, no, it's not. When I become a Christian, everything's easy now. Well, you're the only one that ever existed that believed that. Look what Paul says here in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold on the sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is my flesh, in my flesh. For I have the desires to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. What are you doing? The evil. What are you doing? He said, the evil. This, the man that wrote all these books, said he continued to do these evils. 
Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So what is Paul telling us? Paul is telling us that the issues of the flesh, the sinful nature around him, the flesh is real. He struggled with this every single day not to cut somebody out. He struggled every single day in the sense of not to lay hands on people. Not the mother hand, the holy hand, the mother hand. Paul lets us know in the flesh, nothing in the flesh is good. The flesh wants to do everything contrary to the spirit. But if some people just think they're just so holy, this is not them. Even about some people that are so holy and everything that for them, you know, I'm walking in my anointing that nothing can touch me. I will never sin again. I'm not going to give in. This is so holy and holy and holy and holy. Paul lets us know in reality, though, yes, the inner man that was born again by Jesus the inner man is holy and righteous inside because of what Christ has done. But the outward man want to continue going back to the slop. Every day is the battle. Shall I do this? Shall I do this? Every day is the battle. Paul confesses that to us here in Romans 7. So Paul is like, who's going to save me in this? I got the dominion of the flesh. The flesh and dominion, right, of the things in this world. My inward spirit is, the, is actually submitted, right, to Christ. Two things happening in me. Two things happening in you. Two things happening in you, in you. As a believer, it's two things that are happening. It's the flesh wanting things of this world and your spirit wanting things of God. Every single day is a battle. And Paul knows this. Paul said, it is real. The struggle is real. And how do we know this? Paul is like, who even can save me from this? I mean, come on. All of us in this room, if we can get rid of the flesh right now and have everything in the spirit, it's to let us make it happen right now. We all in this room say, let's do it right now. But it's not that way. So Paul is like, okay, I, I want to be, I, who's going to save me then? If the battle was over, who's going to save me? And it tells us right here in verse, in chapter 7, we talked about this. Look at verse 21, chapter 7, Romans. So I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God and my inner being, but I see in my members nothing, I mean, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Look at verse 24. Wretched man that I am. Who would deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25, some beautiful words. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God, but my mind, but the law, but my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Who's going to deliver him? This word deliver is the same word we hear in our test here. It talks about freedom in verse 21. Who's going to deliver? Who's going to give him over? Who's going to help him? Who's going to save him? He said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. What Christ has done. Christ has came and saved us from the things of the flesh by giving himself for us. Taking the sins upon himself, what was placed on him by the Father, and getting punished for the sin that he didn't commit. We don't want to sin, but Jesus said, let me get punished for them. About a child, right? You know, they did something bad. Your brothers and sisters, they did something bad. And now it's time for them to get in trouble. 
What's one of y'all going to say, hey, let me take it for you, brother and sister? From your pan. Yeah, for me, I'm snitching. No, they did it. They did it. I'm snitching. They did it. But Jesus come in, right, this elder brother of ours, Jesus came in and said, I take, I take this for Jordan. I take this for Jacob and Roderick and uh, so Leon. I take the pain for them. I take the punishment for them and so they can be made right. There's no other belief system in this world that has this. If you look at Islam and Buddhism, everybody is trying to work themselves to God and trying to do all these things. Jesus said, I've done it all. Amen. Come to me and get rest. You can rest. And that's why I say to Christians, we should have a less high blood pressure. We shouldn't be the one that truly, truly rests because Jesus done it all for us. We just pretty much submit to him and trust him. He's done it all for us. So Paul ends with accepting the fact that the spirit would do the things of Christ, but the flesh would do the things of sin. But this does not mean that Paul's going to go to hell. That doesn't mean you're going to go to hell. That doesn't mean God gave up on you. That doesn't mean you're not a Christian. But it means that the struggle is real, and it will be real until Jesus get rid of the flesh. And that's why it tells us in a beautiful verse. Now keep going in Romans 7 to Romans 8, verse 1. Beautiful words. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those that might have different Bibles, you might not have the end of that verse, but who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. When it says condemn, condemnation, it's, it's the judging to hell forevermore. Paul says no. But those that are walking in the spirit and struggling with the flesh, flesh, you would not be condemned. Jesus has dealt with the things of the flesh. You would not be condemned. But it goes on to say, for those who walk according to the spirit. Now, for those that are here that say they're believers and doesn't have any care towards God and towards holiness, this is not talking about you. For those that doesn't care about Jesus and doesn't want to live for Jesus and that want to say, well, I go ahead and sin, Jesus is going to forgive me. I'm going to just go ahead and do it. Jesus is going to forgive me. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm just going to forgive me. For them, they are not, it's not a heart change in them. For them, they, they are not led by the spirit. They're led by the flesh. And for them, they're not truly converted. But for those that are converted, yes, they're competed every day. They repent. Lord, I'm sorry. And they truly feel the pain of that. God has forgiven them. He has truly forgiven them. But God is not in the sense of God know what's going on. God in the way, God know when you're trying to play him. You know how the kids try to play the pan? The kids try to play the pan and everything, think they're, they're trying to do this. Um, Eden wanted to play the video game. I'm putting on the spot, the video game the other day. And uh, she's going to put her hand down on this floor. Eden wanted to play the video game, and Eden came up, and she said, she couldn't play for a certain reason. She came up and said, hey, Dad and Mom, y'all want a smoothie? And she went in and made a really nice smoothie. I'm excited for it. I'm my baby made me a smoothie. Out of the middle of the day, I'm excited for what she done for me. I'm drinking on the smoothie. Then she came in and said, hey, Dad, can I play a game? Right after the smoothie, made a smoothie. I said, Eden, what, what, what you say? Can I play a game? I said, Eden, you didn't make the smoothie. 
You made the smoothie play game. You said, well, I'll tell you what, Daddy. I made the smoothie play game, but also I made it because I love you. <laughs> and so she put it all together there. Well, 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 I do truly think she loved me, but she also wanted to play the game. And the same thing is that some people try to play God in a way that, okay, let me do this and ask God for forgiveness. Let me do this and ask God for forgiveness. Let me do this. And they try to play this game with God, but God is already 40, 50 steps ahead of you. God already know what you're doing. But for those that are truly believers in Christ, they take ownership to it. And they said, no, and they fighting it all day. Should I do this? Should I lie on this? Should I lie on this? All day they fighting it back and forth. That's the spirit working in you. For somebody said, I'm just going to go ahead and lie on it and don't have any conviction. Now, this is not what it's referring to in you. For you, you just love your sin. But for those that are fighting and led by the spirit, Paul encourages that, hey, you won't be condemned. Jesus has paid for your sins. Fight, fight, fight. You're going to give in sometime, but fight. Fight every single day. To those that are true believers, yes, they struggle, but they don't want to continue in sin. They are fighting against the flesh. They are repentant of their sins daily and turning to Christ and not back to the same sin every single day. They're fighting, fighting. They're looking more and more like Jesus. And sometimes Paul knows that sometimes within that struggle, sometimes the Christian gets, can get so caught up with the struggle and we can think that the struggle would never end. And I know some of you all right now might be facing something in your life right now. And you're feeling like, Lord, take this away. You might be crying out to the Lord to take away a certain area in your life that, that has struggle. Again, it might be anger. It might can be uh, uh, pornography. It can, might can be gossip. Whatever the case may be, you might be going to the Lord, the Lord, please remove this from me. And you're sincere about it. You truly honest before the Lord. You're like, Lord, I don't want to do this anymore. You cried out to the Lord that you don't want to do it. And you're like, where does it ever end? Like, like, a, like an ongoing circle. Like you're going around in a circle, like you're praying to God, but it seems like that struggle is still real. Like you're going round and round and round and round. Will the suffering ever end? And Paul lets us know that it will end for those that are in the spirit. We know this because God has adopted us as children, and he will never leave us or forsake us. And another way we know this is because the creation is waiting on us. So we are adopted. That's one thing, right? We are adopted by Jesus. We're made heirs, right, in Jesus. But also, creation is waiting for us. What would you call it? The, you call it, the double whammy, triple whammy, whammy? We have several things right here is revealing to us that we will not suffer forever. That we will be revealed before God's glory. And we will be glorious. So creation is waiting for us to be revealed because right now creation is it's under the dominion of corruption. So the grass ready to grow as it was designed to grow. The, the trees are ready to, 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 to grow as what it's designed to do. The whole creation is ready to be what it was designed to do. The creation is now is under corruption because the grass is going to die here shortly. Look at the leaves. They're coming down. 
going to stay on the tree forever now, do they? The tree, the leaves cannot be what they were designed to be. The leaves die. Before sin came into the world, nothing dies. Everything lives. Death didn't exist. But when sin came, now leaves now die. So we can look at creation. How creation, the earthquakes, you know, how the plate system within the whole geographical system, geology, it, it's just the planks and the earth is moving, earthquakes is coming, all this. The world is chaotic right now. They talk about the, 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 uh, the magnetic field. The magnetic field, they, they, they mention how the magnetic field is kind of shifting in ways. Everything is Showing it is under the dominion of corruption. So our test today encourages that God has set creation to be under dominion of corruption for God to one day do something that is so glorious. So God is hoping for the creation to be better than what it is. And the word hope in verse 20 means expecting. Very similar to longing eagerly in verse 29. But the word is elpis in Greek. It can be found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 to 5, when it says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. This hope. That is laid up for the believers in heaven. This hope of the things to come. Creation, in a very similar way, is hoping, is looking forward to, eagerly looking forward to, and expecting what God has for it. And God is looking forward to this to happen as well. Again, hope is not something we inherit naturally, it is given to us by the Spirit. Every time we see hope for the things in Christ, the hope is given to us by God. Even our test today. Someone that put creation and suggestion is the same one that is given out the hope. Who is giving us his hope? It comes from God. Who put the world under dominion? It, uh, the world under corruption? It was God. God has limited creation, but God also has given us hope to come. And let me be clear. Yes, we can hope to win a basketball game. But hoping the appearance of the Son of God is something that's better and not just natural. It's something that's spiritual. So this is good news, family, that the Christians don't have to worry about the suffering forever because we know creation is waiting for the really and the glorious possession of the sons of God. So if you're struggling with life, believers, hope for that day to come. The creation is waiting. And as you sit back and you look at what God is doing through this world, God is going to make all things new. So be encouraged right now on what you may be facing. Point number two. Brother Shah looking around. Point number two. Creation is in bondage waiting on our glory to be revealed. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. I define creation in the last few weeks as creation is something that has been created. God is not creation because he is not created. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have talked about this. As God has existed in eternity past, God is not a creation. 
Because God has always existed. So beside the Trinity, everything has been created. But after working through this contest and what the scripture is talking about, it's not talking about angels. It's not talking about believers. But creation within this contest is referring to the natural world. The created world besides humans. Trees, animals, and etc. And I did share about how sin affected us last week. But the test so far in last week verses is focusing on things on earth, not as so much as us being affected. It's talking about the creation. It's letting us see that, hey, look at creation. Go outside look at creation. And as you actually get outside and see that the creation is down around you, you start to see as believers that creation is looking for something greater. Right now, this part in, in right here in chapter 8 is focused on the earth we will live in that is not going to be in bondage to corruption. And again, we all are part of God's creation. And we all are in this bondage of sin, but in its context, it's not talking about our sins indirectly in a way of being, for us being in bondage to sin right now. The context of this text right here it's dealing with for us to find hope. I don't know if y'all have seen the game. I want a guy. There's a couple of guys be motivational speakers. And before the game, they get the team pumped up and everything, right? It might be a team that haven't won a game all year. And the coach is not getting them pumped up like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we, we got this. We got and, and the team. They, they buy into it. And they're so hopeful and they're so excited to win the game. I think in a way, not just throwing something out just to motivate us. Paul is actually shooting facts to us that we will win. That we will get the prize. That it's going to happen. As a matter of fact, it's already happened. It's just a matter of time when we get it. And so Paul is encouraging us though is that, okay, let me encourage you. I encourage you to have been adopted. I encourage you to have been heirs. I encourage you that you will be glorified. Let me encourage you all through, through creation now. Paul has given us everything to create to, to, to encourage us. Give us everything. That's not like a child is crying. It's just crying and crying and crying. You give a child a pacifier. You give a child a bottle. You give a child a toy. You keep giving a child something right here to encourage that child. God has given us all these things to encourage us. He's given us so many things so we don't have an excuse for us to struggle with depression, to struggle with anxiety. He's given us all these things. You struggle with this. Look what God is doing for you. He's given us all these things to grab from. He never leaves us without something to grab. Amen. He keeps giving us more. He keeps giving us more. And now he's saying, now look at the created world. I'm going to give that too for look at that you will be glorified with me. So encouraging for us to see that Paul is encouraging at this time. I know for me, now deer hunting season, when I take my dad with me or I take somebody with me that don't know how to hunt. <laughs> it's good to know that I have an extra person with me saying you're going to be okay out there in the dark. Let me know if you need anything. And it's encouraging for somebody to be there to let me know that, hey, we are here together. We're not alone. Two witnesses saying the same thing is so encouraging. We're not today, God is doing the same thing through Paul. Paul is reminding us that we're not alone. 
Paul reminded us of the thing we have in Jesus. It says the correction itself in verse 21. This, this is a reflective, reflexive pronoun when it said itself. This sentence would have been fine. It would have just said the correction would be set free. Look in your text. It could have just said correction would be set free. But what does it tell us here? It said the correction itself. If it didn't have itself, then we would lost how Paul was trying to draw emphasis on this correctionism. That the, that the same creation that was put under bondage would be the same creation that's going to point us to freedom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just said creation is under bondage. Now I'm going to turn around and say creation is going to still be the same thing that encourages you. You're like, Paul, that's not making sense, brother. That's not making sense. They say, no, the creation itself, yes. The same creation on the bondage is the same creation that waiting to be on freedom and the same creation that waiting for you to be revealed as son of God. So the creation is looking forward to freedom, not enslavement to the things in this world. Last week we talked about creation is being ruled by uselessness. But now it tells us it's going to be, it is ruled by corruption in this verse. Paul is sharing a very description of the fall. That the world now is useless, vanity, youth, fertility, but also creation is corrupt. It's corrupt. It's useless, empty, vanity, corrupt. But at the same time, it's long to not be this way forever. It doesn't desire to be in bondage forever. Bondage is someone being enslaved to someone or something. The creation is enslaved to corruption. Some have defined the word corruption as a change from its original use or meaning to one that is regarded as erroneous or debased. Something that had an original meaning, now that original meaning has changed to something that is debased, erroneous. What it was intended to do, it has changed from it now. So the definition is we're saying that Relating to our test today, the creation is enslaved to erroneous. But at the same time, it's looking forward to being free from this erroneous behavior. So Paul is encouraging us through this. That the same creation that is hopeful for a day, uh, the same creation looking forward to, uh, uh, to be re re renewed in Jesus. The same correctness and abundance of corruption is the same creation that we can look at to encourage us to believe. Last point, point number three. Creation will be set free at the coming of our glory and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Lastly, creation would obtain or possess this freedom. The word obtain is not in the region. Original. I don't know what version of the Bible you might have. You might have an NASB or something. Uh, you might have ESV or NIV. <clears throat> but the word obtain or possess uh, of this freedom is not in the original. In the Greek word right here, we hear the word ace. Ace. Which means two or into. It's a preposition. Two or into. So I like the, the King James uh, translation of this verse. Somebody shaking their head back. 
It says it right here in this translation. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered, with the word freedom is delivered, from the bondage or corruption into the glorious liberty or freedom of the children of God. But I even go further with a bit. Uh, I would say another even translation of this. I would say crest in Greek, a Greek uh, translation. Because the creature, I mean, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption and to the deliverance of glory of the children of God. Let me read it again. I'll say this right here. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the deliverance of the glory of the children of God. I say this because Paul is making a comparison here between the three things in corruption and being in glory. Right now, the creation is in corruption, but it shall be in glory. This glory is appearing of the glorified sons of God. It says right at the end of the verse, the children of God. Also in verse 19, for the creation awaits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Son deal with the legality of adoption. Somebody adopted in the court, the legality of it. Children deal with the intimacy of a parent to a child of God, appearing before it. So the, the, the climax for this creation is the children of God appearing before it. Because when the children of God are revealed, they will be finally what God had designed them to be. And also the creation will be what God has intended it to be. It will not be enslaved to corruption, but it will be enslaved to the glorious children of God. God cares a lot about his glory. So God cares about his glory. And God waits for his creation to see his glory. For us to see his glory. For us to be glorified. One person said this about glory. Y'all listen to this definition about glory. Listen to this question. Listen to these things. What is the preeminent passion of God's heart? What's truly in God's heart? What's the preeminent passion of God's heart? What is God's greatest pleasure? What do God want? How does the happiness of God manifest itself? Listen to all these questions. And what does God take supreme delight in? What do God really want? We always know what we want, right? What do God, have you ever thought about what do God really want? This person says, I want to suggest that the preeminent passion in God's heart is his own glory. God is at the center of his own affections. The supreme love of God's life is God. God is preeminently committed to the fame of his name. God is himself the end for which God created the world. Better still, God's immediate goal in all he does is his own glory. Well, I thought it was me. I thought God's whole thing was me. God's intimate, glorious thing is his own creation. So why are we created? For God's own pleasure. How can a potter say, how can a clay say to the potter? Right? It's his world. It's like me coming to your house and everything, putting my feet on the table, going in the refrigerator. I'm going in, grabbing stuff and say, hey, hey I'm getting this today. I'm going to come to your house and I even knock on the door. What are y'all going to say? Get out, some of y'all are going to say, right? 
What are you doing? Some of y'all can call the police. Why? What are you doing in my house? Yeah, get out of my house. Look, I'm coming, like, like I'm coming to your house, and I'm now I'm doing whatever I want. It's God's world. He does what he wants with his world, and we can't come in and say, well, it's your world, but I'm going to do it my own way. And that's what Adam and Eve did. And that's what we try to do. But God preeminent, preeminent goal in all of this for the world and everything around us to see God's glory. So God's glory is the importance of God. So the creation will be in the possession of what is at the center of God's heart, glory. The creation is moving that way. And so Christians, if creation is moving that way, we are moving that way. It might not seem like it. Things might be hard. But those hard times you're going through is good for you. And I don't say I don't mean hard things. I want hard things to happen. But hard times get you to slow down in life, to think about what's real. They have you thinking about reality. They have you thinking about how selfish you are, how selfish I am. They have you thinking about in the way of, have you made this whole life about me, about you, about this? So God allowed trials to come our way to show us who we really trusted in. And a lot of times, we're not trusting in God. We're trusting in our own efforts. We're trusting our own things and our own desires. But creation God gives us to say that, hey, creation is looking forward to God's glory. Creation is looking forward to you be revealed. That's a guarantee you, you would not be condemned. You can have Jesus forevermore. So Christian church, be encouraged. We don't have to give in to the flesh. We get to look forward to something glorious. When that sin come in, you say, say yes to sin. You can say no because glory, God's glory is coming. You're going to be revealed as sons and children of God. You can say no to it. You might lose friends. You might lose family, co-workers. You might lose all of them for standing what's right. But family, look what you gain. Let's, let's look what you gain. You gain all the things in Christ. Even now we get a fourth taste of that to come. We get a foretaste of it. Let me end with a couple of applications. Remember, we hope for a better tomorrow because God is making all things new. Tomorrow's going to get better. It's going to get better because God is using every day to sanctify us. Every day is a better day for the believer. Because every day God is revealing us about our hearts. Every single day. Right? Every single day. Things may be hard now. But for the believer, the Lord will eventually deliver us from this fallen world to this marvelous life. So don't be discouraged when things doesn't go as planned for you. Because your plan is never going to work. But his plan works every single time. His plan always works. One day everything will be God's plan. And God will get the glory through us and every single Second thing, this world is fallen, so do not put confidence in the flesh. Don't put your trust in this world. You, you might say, hit a leg and get $20,000. It's going to go away. It's going to go away quick. Don't put trust in things in this world. I know I'm, I'm probably the buffest man in this room. I know I do a lot to take care of my body. But this body, crest and body, 
that a lot of folks desire to kind of imitate, it's going to go away one day. It's going to go away. So anything you treasure in this world is not going to last forever. That big old house you got, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's not going to last forever. Find your satisfaction in Jesus. It will last forever. Jesus will last forever. I love my wife. I always use my wife in here. But Jesus truly satisfies. What truly satisfies my wife is Jesus. It's Jesus. Last thing. Suffer now for Christ and gain his glory forever. Suffer now and gain his glory forever. We have way more good to come in our way. Waiting on Jesus. Suffer now. Say no. If somebody don't want to be your friend, then I'll be your friend. Right, who else? Somebody, y'all be some friends, right? Y'all be some friends? We all can be friends, right? We, if somebody don't want to be your friend anymore, if somebody don't want to be your friend because you don't want to give in a sin, that's fine. I'll be your friend. But better than that, Jesus is a better friend than me. So you're going to lose people trying to do what's right. You got to rub it in and everything because say, where you are robbed at through sanctification, they might not be there. Don't rub it in. But right now, you might say no to certain people in certain relationships because you want to stand for what's right. And that's fine. You get Jesus. Y'all get mad because Jesus ain't all for y'all, is it? That's why y'all get mad. But Jesus is everything. You got it all. But also, you got the church. You got the church as well. And I encourage you, be a part of this church. Be a part of the church. Have a body of believers that can encourage each other through this. So, creation to wait for God's glory so you can wait for God's glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us.